Today we're talking about the devil and evil, and we're not talking about teenagers. So that's just in case you're wondering, that's, that's not it. But no, today we're talking about revelation and talking about uh, the devil a little bit. I'm excited about today's message. And today's message is called The Devil's Last Day and How to Overcome Evil. Now, it's interesting, you know, sometimes the news just preaches for me. And the news did preach for me this last week. A couple things going on. I want to, I want to tell you, first of all, Ezekiel 38, I'm not going to read the scripture. It was too complicated. I was reading it earlier and people were like glazing over, whoa. But Ezekiel 38 gives a prophecy of all these nations that coalesce. They all come together to eventually attack Israel. That is now happening. We are actually seeing these nations are coming together. And so let me show you a map real quick. I just want to show you this real quick. Uh, so these are all, these are called the coalition of Gog. It's Gog and Magog um, basically are in Ezekiel 38. And that Rosh would be Russia. Magog is Kazakhstan and all those other nations with it. Uh, and then uh, Persia is, is modern day Iran put, uh, I mean, is Libya. Anyways, all of these are coming together. What's interesting about Cush, let me tell you why this matters. Cush uh, is, is actually considered the Sudan and Ethiopia now. And uh, Sudan right now is in the middle of conflict and why this matters is because the reason why two warring generals are going at each other, one warring general is the rapid support forces versus the Sudanese, Sudanese army. The rapid support forces only can fight them because they're being supported financially and with weaponry by Russia right now. So the same thing we're doing with Ukraine, we're, we're giving them all the, the, the stuff to fight with. Russia's doing that right now with Sudan. Why? Because Russia wants to put a port basically connect the port to the bottom of, their, uh, of their, their land. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that Russia and all these are coalescing together. Now, let me show you this on the map. See the little, the little J right there in the middle? That's little bitty Israel in the middle of all the nations that are going to come together to attack it. Make sense? This is currently going on. There's already a coalition starting to form, and that's a prophecy being fulfilled from 2,500 years ago today. It's now being fulfilled. So let me just show you another quick, quick clip here. Just there's news happening right now that Sudan is, is in warfare. In fact, this is really getting pretty close to home. Uh, our campus pastor here and his wife just came back to see me and said, you know, you were talking about um, how Sudan is under attack and how there's a civil war going on there and how Russia's evolved. Um, they had two friends that barely got out that worked for the World Food Program and their three colleagues were murdered just this last week. So only two out of the five got out. That's how bad it is right now there. So we're seeing this actually happening in real time today. This is actually going down. So this is what's going around the world. Meantime, what's happening in America? This weekend was SatanCon in Boston, the largest gathering uh, in history of the Satanic Temple Church. They gathered to a sold-out crowd. And uh, at, when they're at the event, the, the first thing they do is they celebrated abortion. And they did classes and training on how to support abortion. And so surprise, surprise, Satan wants what? He wants people to die. And so he wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so that's, that's the first thing they did. And if you, if you ever look at the Satanic Temple, their, their emblem for Satan is Moloch. Moloch was someone who killed babies. And so, and also uh, they were teaching rituals and they were also having classes on how to become a Satanic priest. So you can marry people in the name of Satan. This is going on in America right now. So just, it, we live in a, an upside down world, guys. It is crazy. This is where we're at. So this stuff is in real time. Someone just pointed out to me earlier today, or last service, that, you know, you know, if you wanted to buy a Ouija board, you know where you would go? Walmart toy section. 
we teach our kids this stuff without even meaning to. And so just we got to start thinking about the fact that the devil is trying to infiltrate our schools, our homes, our society at every level. So let's jump in right now. I want to talk today about the devil's last day. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 13. I told you last week as we talked about the beast, beast one. Now we're going to talk about beast two. Those aren't referring to your two kids, but... Beast 2, we see here in Scripture, comes out of the earth. Let's talk about what that means. Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. It performs great signs. It deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Now think about it. wounded by the sword and yet lived. That's what? That's that's uh, emulating Christ being uh, died and resurrected. Of course, we know that the, that the devil does not have the power over death, so he can't resurrect. So this person looks like they died and then came back, even though they did not. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all to be marked on the right hand of the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is the name of the beast, or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. So what is 666? It's just one off, right? That's what it is. It's just, you're just not quite there. 777 is the number for perfection. That's God's number. So 666 is like, we're almost God, right? That's what, that's what 666 represents. Um, we don't understand all the meetings, even John who wrote this, John wrote Revelation. Even he said, you know, we don't understand all its meaning. It's a mystery even to him, but we do know that it's just one off. And so, which makes sense. And so I want to challenge you. Could it be that there's some things in your life you're just a little off, just, just one off, aren't quite what it's supposed to be that you're trying to make work? You ever been in a relationship you try to make work? You're like, I mean, they're Christian enough. Just, you know, just a little, just not quite. Of course, that's a relationship that ends up being a total disaster for your life. And you wonder why, things like that, you know. Now, I didn't just call your boyfriend or girlfriend the beast. I'm not saying that, but <laughs> I wonder how many times we try to make something fit that isn't really for God. If it doesn't fit, it's counterfeit, right? And so let me go back to something at the very beginning of the scripture. It says that the beast, the second beast spoke like a lamb uh, and also had two horns like a lamb, but spoke like a dragon. So the two horns like a lamb means it looks Christian, seems Christian, seems Christ-centered like a lamb, but it spoke like the dragon. This sounds like a lot of politicians that I've seen as of late. Not all, not all politicians are bad. I happen to personally know some good ones that go to our church, some local ones here in town. And I even know a few that are in Washington that really love the Lord and want to do work and actually believe that they're a servant of the people instead of people being a servant to them. So there are some good ones, but unfortunately they're rare, aren't they? But how many times have you heard a politician that, that would say, I'm a Christian or I'm a Catholic, but then everything they legislate goes against the Bible? Isn't that amazing? And so they talk like the lamb, but they act like the dragon. It's very common now, isn't it? And so this is one of the reasons we get fooled because they just, they label themselves as a believer or a person of faith, but then they support all the things that go against our faith. So we have to look for that. So number one, the second beast is the false prophet that acts as a counterfeit Holy Spirit. So notice that this, this false prophet was saying that we should worship the beast. And so 
well, what causes us to worship? It also said that they, they perform signs and wonders. Well, signs and wonders in the Bible is what the Holy Spirit does, right? So it's a counterfeit. So let me just show you, let me set this up for you. Check out this, this little graph, this uh, pyramid. So we know about the Trinity. It's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? God the Father, Jesus is the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But what they're setting up is an unholy Trinity, which is Satan is the one who gave his authority. We read that earlier last week in early Revelation 13. He gave his authority to the beast, which is the Antichrist. Just like Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me, right, from his Father. And so the, the satanic authority was given to the Antichrist. And then we have the false prophet as well. So that's the unholy Trinity setting themselves up as if they are the Trinity. They seem like it. They're real close. But it's 666, not 777. Did you catch that? One of the reasons why we won't, we won't really know this, who the Antichrist, well, we will, but most people won't know who the Antichrist is because they seem wonderful. They'll be very popular and loved. And we forget that. So, but the second beast is the false prophet that acts as a counterfeit to the Holy Spirit. Now let's keep going. The devil, here's the good news. Number two, the devil's power will be broken. Let's, let's get excited about that. That one day the devil's power will be no more. Praise God, right? Colossians 2 says, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them to, over them to him. So in him. And then look what it says in Hebrews chapter two, Jesus himself became like them. He did this so that by dying, he could destroy the one who has the power of death, the devil, and free those who were like slaves all their lives because of their fear of death. Fear of death is a very real thing. I wonder if some of the COVID hysteria was a fear of death, meaning that I'm not saying I wanna die. I don't think people want to die. Um, but what I'm saying is I'm not afraid of it. Like if I were to die, I would just go to heaven. So it's not a bad thing. I think all of us fear the actual physical death. Nobody wants to go through any kind of anguish or pain, right? But actual spiritual death, we don't experience that because we're just gonna, as the Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we're just gonna go, go see our Savior. I had a friend that his, um, his, his grandfather was in the other room and he, was, he, he happened to be watching him um, and he was on hospice care. And uh, he always talked about he couldn't wait to hug his savior. He was in the other room and he could just barely see across from him. He was in the bathroom. And he just opened the door and he could see all the way through the hallway, all the way down to the den. And he saw his great, his grandfather sitting there with his eyes glazed over and he lifted his arms like this, like to hug someone. And then he fell over. And it was in that moment, he hugged his savior. Isn't that great? That as he was passing from this life to the next, his physical body gave us evidence of what he was seeing in the next. Isn't that beautiful? That's what it's going to be like. That's what it's going to be like. So we don't have to fear death. But I wonder if some of the hysteria, have you had, did you ever come across someone who was hysterical about it? I mean, just beyond reason. You know, there, there was some research on this and some psychologists were saying, some psychologists in the New York area were saying they had high level clients that were coming to see them that were, that were, beyond hysterical about death because they don't believe, this is what the psychologist says, they don't believe in God. So this is it. So can you imagine how terrified you would be if you didn't think you were going to anything? I can see why people would freak out. We have to save everyone, save the world. Well, actually when you're saved, you have another place to go. Does that make sense? 
And so I wonder if that's part of the fear of death. The devil's power will be broken. Number three, the devil will be thrown into the lake of fire, also known as hell. Revelation 20, this is the end for the devil. It says, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. In other words, to hell with you, devil. Praise God, right? About time, right? And that's going to be a wonderful day when he can no longer reign over this world. We can no longer cause damage to us. It's going to be a wonderful thing. And that day will happen. And, you know, I want to mention to you that the devil does several things. He lies to us. He also tempts us. But then right after he tempts us, he then uh, torments us with what we've done. So he tempts us to do it. Then we do it. And he torments us. He's like, oh, come on. It's no big deal. Come on. Just do it. Everybody's doing it. It's fine. Just come on. You'll be fine. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Come on. Do it. And then you do it. And he goes, I can't believe you. You're such a terrible person. And you're like, aren't you the same one that just told me to do it? And now you tell me how terribly I am that I did it. Anybody know this about the devil? That's how he works. So the next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future, that he's going to be in hell one day. Jesus forgives us. He completely forgives us of our sin, thank God. So how do you overcome evil? How do we do it? I want to give you three simple ways to overcome evil in your life. Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says this. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Sounds great. How do you do that? Let's get practical. 1 Peter 2 says this. People insulted Christ, but he did not insult them in return. Christ suffered, but he did not threaten he let God, the one who judges rightly, take care of him. I love this. What Jesus did differently was he did not escalate the situation. Right now we have an escalation in our world. Would you agree? We have world powers escalating, flexing their muscles one against the other. You put a tariff on us, we'll put a tariff on you. You take over that territory. We're taking over this territory. I mean, there's, there's an escalation in language. Right now in our culture here in America, people are escalating their language. It used to be that Republicans thought Democrats were losers and Democrats thought Republicans were mean. And now it's like, and it's just getting worse and worse. And now it's like, basically we're gonna get to the point where it's like, if you don't agree with me, you're not even human. That's where this is going. And once you can lift up the label of human off of someone, then hey, let's go. It's Weimar Republic. It's Hitler time, man. Let's just get rid of them. They're going to agree with me. Just get rid of them. I mean, that's the ultimate escalation, right? Sin leads to what? Death. It does. It literally leads to that. And so there are people, I mean, if you ask someone who's murdered someone, they'd be like, I can't believe I did it. I just got so fixated on my hate. Yeah, that's what it leads to. And so it's just an escalation. Jesus says the exact opposite. He says, when someone hurts you or someone offends you, let God deal with them and you forgive them. It's the total opposite of what we normally do. Normally, if someone says something mean to you, you retaliate back. Then they retaliate and you retaliate. And all of a sudden, we're the Hatfield and McCoys. Man, we're just going at each other. But God says that's not the way to do it. He says, just, just let it go. The reason I want to bring this up, you may think, Pastor Billy, you're talking about all these world powers, all these big battles going on. But let's think about it. You would just think, you know, couldn't Xi Jinping and Putin just chill out? Like, couldn't they just relax and not be mad at everybody and have to take over the world? Well, I wouldn't say the same to us personally. Shouldn't we just chill out and relax, not be mad at someone? It's the same issue. It's just, it's not on a global scale. It's in our families or it's in our work environment or it's in our church or even in our small groups or whatever it is. Oftentimes we get offended by someone, but we need to de-escalate and forgive them. So I just want to challenge you with this. You want to overcome evil in your life? Overcome the evil of resentment and hurt and offense that you had towards someone. You had to forgive them. I'm not trying to say we should not work things out. 
that if there are issues, you should not deal with those issues. By all means, do that. But you have to learn to live in the spirit of constant forgiveness. Because I hate to break it to you, but the person that you just forgave probably will offend you tomorrow again. So you have to learn just to continually forgive someone. Now, this, just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that you have to necessarily always be with them and hang out with them. No, you can put up boundaries. That's not a bad idea to put up some boundaries. Just, if they offend you all the time, I probably wouldn't take them to lunch. You know what I mean? That's probably not a good idea. I'm just, so there's nothing wrong with some boundaries. But I think we forget that our job is, as Jesus said, turn the other cheek. You know, someone slaps you, turn the other cheek, right? Don't, don't respond back. Don't retaliate. So I just want to encourage you to overcome evil with good. Let me tell you another, another practical way to overcome evil with good. If you're struggling with evil in your life or just some kind of besetting sin, just means something you just repeat again and again and again, I want to encourage you to busy yourself doing the right things. If you're busy doing the right things, you don't have time to do the wrong things. One time I was talking to some, some buddies of mine and there was someone that we, that we all knew that had cheated on their wife and they had had this ongoing affair for a while. And we we're like, wow, we, wow where'd they have time? And one of my friends said, literally, I don't have time for an affair. I was like, I don't either. I don't know how they have time. I'm too busy. Like, I mean, it sounds kind of funny, but if you're busy doing the right things, you don't have time to do the wrong things. So just get busy doing the right things. There was a guy that, that uh, he got massively, he partied a lot and he got, he, start, he started drinking and he got into drugs and then the drugs got harder and harder. Eventually he became a total addict. He could not stop. He went to visit his own mother. His mother literally said, don't come and visit me again. You're scaring me. His own mother was scared to see him. It was, he was totally out of control. And so he didn't know what to do. And one of the first things he did, he got some help. But one of the first things he did, he, he got a job in sales. And instead of taking his day off, he would do extra hours and he became top sales because he was there all the time. He was always there to make a sale. So he'd stay, he, he would not take a day off because he just said, if I just work all the time selling, if I'm selling, I'm not smoking nothing. If I'm selling, I'm not getting high. And so that's what he did. So he became top sales of his, of his company. Of, he was in car sales, then of his region, then of his state, then of his nation. Eventually he went into, he started his own business on how to teach people how to, how to go into sales. This guy's name is Grant Cardone. He's doing pretty well now. So what did he do? And I'm not espousing everything Grant Cardone has ever said or done, but I will tell you that he's really smart about this. He realized I need to busy myself doing things that improve my life because a man with a lot of free time is a bad idea. Does that make sense? Any of us with a lot of free time, bad idea. A lot of free time on the internet, bad idea. A lot of free time floating around doing nothing, bad idea. Go to neighborhoods where you see men not working, bad things are happening. Make sense? When we are working, when we are focused on something that matters, when we are building our lives, we're doing good things, but you are either building or destroying your life. I'm just telling you, there's no neutral. I just want to encourage you with this to busy yourself doing the right things. Overcome evil with good. Number two, don't fall for lies. Seek God's truth and wisdom. John 8. John, by the way, is the same one who wrote Revelation. John said this, there is no truth in the devil. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You ever known someone that you knew when they were lying because they were talking? You know what I'm talking about? You know someone they're like, if their lips are moving, they're lying. I mean, just, yeah, there are people like that. I hate to say it. Well, that's the devil. He's always lying to you all the time. And so let me tell you why this matters. Show me where your life is falling apart and I'll show you where you've bought into a lie. You just name the area, any area of your life, wherever you're falling apart, you bought into a lie. Maybe you're like, I'm not doing good financially. I'm really hurting. Well, you bought into one or two lies. You bought into the lie that the next purchase is gonna make me happy. 
So you're overpurchasing, right? That's a lie because it doesn't make you happy, right? Or you bought into the lie that I'm owed something. That's a big lie people have bought into that I can sit around and the government should just give me money or my family should just give me money or, or my work should just give me money. That's a big lie. You have to earn what you have. The Bible says the man who won't work shouldn't eat. The Bible says that. Well, we always quote all the other nice scripture. But we don't quote that one. But that's because there's a lie that says that somehow I'm deserving of something for doing nothing. That just, that's a lie. It's just not simply, it's simply not true. So I just want to challenge you. What lie have you bought into? Maybe that's your, maybe the lie for you is something totally different. I don't know what the lie is, but, but I promise you there's a lie you've bought into wherever you are hurting. Let me give you one example of one of the biggest lies the devil tells all of us. I just want, this example has to do with adultery, but this example applies way beyond that. Let me, let me show you the scripture. Proverbs 9 says this. This is speaking of the adulterous woman. We could also say today, the adulterous man. Certainly they're, they're both uh, are the case. Stolen water is sweet and food eaten in secret is tasty, but he does not know that the souls of the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. Wow. So what is the scripture saying? Stolen water is sweet. Now I've got my water up here that I normally have with me, but this water, <laughs> don't tell anyone, I stole this one. There was a guy backstage, he has no water. I switched it out. I got his water. And I know it's going to be sweet because it's stolen. It's going to be so much better. Oh, it tastes just like the other water. But I was told that this water was sweet. If it was stolen, it'd be way better. And then what the devil says, oh man, sex with anyone other than your spouse, way better. Because it's stolen. Right? Isn't that what we hear? Isn't that what the world tells us? You know, oh, well, your relationship would be great as long as it's with someone you're not supposed to be with, right? The devil tells us this in every area of our life. Oh, every family's great, but the one you have. All those other kids, they obey their parents, just your kids don't. <laughs> oh, that other job, way better than the job you have. The bozos you work with, they're idiots. The people over there, they're all great. But the people you work with, they're just dummies. They're just morons. But over there, they're all geniuses. This, you know, the zip code you don't live in, way better than the zip code you do live in. Isn't this a lie of the devil? Oh, it's going to be sweet because it's not mine. Whatever's not mine is going to be awesome. Right? Adam and Eve, you can have any fruit you want. Just don't eat from this one tree. What's the address of the tree? Can you give it to me real quick? <laughs> What's the one we want? The one we're told you can't have. And then we finally go, oh, Oh, I'm going to get it. I got it now. No one saw me. I took it. This is going to be amazing. And you drink it and you're like, all this hype for this? It tastes just like the other water. But now I feel sick inside because I violated my own values. I've hurt myself, my God, and someone I love. So this, this water, it's, it's amoral. There's nothing wrong with the water, but something's wrong with me that I was convinced that this was better just because it wasn't mine. This is why the Bible says to practice gratitude. What's gratitude? It's also praising God. God, I praise you for all that I have. Lord, I want to thank you for the water you've given me is good. I want to thank you for my life, that you have an inheritance for me. I don't need what someone else has. You will bless me. Don't fall for the devil's lies. It tells you everything you don't have is better than what you do have. That's one of the biggest lies the devil's selling us right now. What do you think comparison's about? Now we have comparison machines that we sit on all night long, comparing ourselves. Oh, 
Their life is so great. Look how amazing. Oh, they look so beautiful. Yeah, they took 60 shots to get that one. They have four frames and images over it. The truth is, is that we're all falling for a lie. When the challenge, you don't fall for the devil's lies. You know the best chip? You know which one it is, right? It's the one at the bottom of the bag. The best scoop of ice cream? It's the last scoop. And just getting that last little bit, just a little bit more. Just... Why do we do that? I'll tell you why. Because you can't get enough of what won't satisfy. But that's what the devil tells us. Just a little more, just, just, just a little. Just whatever's not, just whatever's out of reach, that's what'll make you happy. You were so close. Just, it's, we're almost there. It's, it's one number off only. It's just, that's seven, but we're six, six, six. We're always one off, aren't we? Did it ever dawn on you that the way you don't feel like you're enough, the way you feel like you're not rich enough, good looking enough, young enough, happy enough, cool enough, smart enough, that's just the devil's lie. God says you are enough because you're my child. I made you enough already. I have an inheritance for you. You don't need to steal someone else's water. How ridiculous to steal someone's water when I have a blessing for you. He is the living water. Satisfaction comes from knowing who you are in Christ, not from anything on the outside that we are grabbing for. Find your satisfaction in him. I'm speaking to someone today. Don't fall for lies any longer. Don't fall for it. Don't do it. This is why we give, by the way. You say, what does that have to do with giving? Everything. Because the world's selling you a bill of goods. It's selling you a lie. Look what the scripture says, 1 Timothy 2. God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the what? Truth. Oh, there it is. You know what? This is where we get witnessing all wrong as a Christian. We talk to our friend. Hey, you should come to church with me. I don't know. What do they believe about this and believe about that? What are they going to ask you about? You know, I'm so tired of these issues. I get asked the same questions by everyone. It's so annoying. But it's the same questions that I get asked on the street are the same questions that you get asked at work or by your family members. Or, you know, I see that you know, when a preacher or a Christian author goes on like The View or on ABC News, same question. What do you think about homosexuality? Do you believe it's a sin? What do you think about, what do you think about transgender? It's all they want to ask me. We've got to learn to answer this correctly. And here's the answer. This is the Billy Graham answer. This is what he did repeatedly. Every time he was asked the same questions in 1960, 1970, 1980, same questions were asked into him. This is how he answered. Larry King, go look it up. Larry King would say, so what do you think about homosexuality? Are you prepared today to call that a sin? And he would say, Larry, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior? Well, I don't want to talk about that. Well, I want to talk about, I know you don't, Larry, but you know, that's what matters. I'm here because I'm God's messenger boy. He would say that. I'm here to ask you, do you believe Jesus rose again from the grave? Nothing else matters but that. Does that make sense? Now here, listen. You say, but we got to talk about those issues. Are you saying that you're not going to stand on this? No, I, I know what sin is. Listen, if the Bible said it, I believe it. It's that simple. That's already been settled for me. But here's what I've learned is that when you, when you address these side issues, and they are side issues, even though America's making the number one issue right now, we are no longer the United States, we're not US of A, we're now US of gay. Everything is about that now. It's crazy. I can't believe we're this obsessed with sex. It's insane. It's crazy. But here, here's what I wanna challenge you with. When we address those issues only, you know what we're doing? We're just clipping the side little branches of a lie. They don't have the knowledge of the truth. 
So if I'll get you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, when you do that, you get the Holy Spirit in you. And this is why this happened to all of us. This is why you got saved and you're like, oh, wow, the, the things I normally do, I feel bad about doing now. I feel like I probably shouldn't go do that anymore now that I'm a Christian. I feel like maybe I shouldn't say those things. I didn't have to tell you that. The Holy Spirit told you that. Suddenly you became alive to your conscience. You're like, man, I probably shouldn't lie for that sale anymore. I want to be a person of integrity. I don't know why. Something in me wants me to do the right thing. See, when you get Jesus, then you take the ax. Jesus takes the ax to the bottom of the tree and he takes all of the lies down and the whole tree of lies falls with it. The issue is not the issues. The issue is, do you believe a man claimed to be God, rose again from the grave, proven that he is, and have you accepted him? If you'll do that, you don't have to argue any other issues. They will be tormented on the inside till they obey God after that. Does that make sense? Years ago, we had three or four ladies that came. It was pointed out to me by several men. They were like, hey, we have some strippers coming to our church now. I was like, how do you know they're strippers? I'm curious, how do you know they're strippers? <laughs> well, I mean, I just, I heard that. Oh, I'm sure you did hear that. <laughs> a couple of these ladies came up to me and they were like, hey, I really like the church. And you know, what do you think of us being here? And I think, I said, it's great, I'm glad you're here. And I did my best to keep my eyes right here. <laughs> and uh, as we talked, you know, uh, she was asking me questions like, what do you think of us here, being here? This, and I know what she was saying. She was saying, go ahead and reject me. Go ahead and prove why I should not be here. Go ahead and tell me what you really think. And I was like, I'm just glad you're here. You are welcome in your time. I'm, so th I'm not gonna give you what you're looking for. I want you here to hear about Jesus. Does that make sense? They came, they got saved. One of them in particular was like, I don't know what to do. I'm gonna live with my boyfriend. I was like, I think you do know what to do. That's why you brought it up because God's speaking to you. And she began to get her life right. Isn't that wonderful how God can change all of us? He can change all of us. Any of us can be changed. But the issue wasn't that issue. The issue was, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And if we can get that right, he'll take care of the rest. This is why I believe so strongly and our annual offering next week, why? Because it supports one mission, one cause. What is it? What are we here to do? To take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. Give them Jesus, he works out the rest. That's it. Give them Christ. If we'll do that, everything else changes. You know, a couple of my good friends have been part of the church a long time and we sat down with them the other day to say, why do you give? Why do you believe so much in this cause? Please check out this video. My name is Marshall Tong. This is my wife, Julie. We've been at Church Unlimited for 17 years. I remember waking up one day and just having an overwhelming feeling that more was meant for my life than what I was providing. God will lay these really strange circumstances on my heart to help others and to seek out others. And it always comes when there's some sort of underlying condition for me where the opportunity would not make sense to do it. And so I've learned that I just kind of lean into that and these amazing circumstances come out where these people need help. And on the back end, we are so blessed as a result of doing it that it just becomes this no brainer. Giving is about obedience. You're just obeying. I can't imagine what our life would be like if we didn't. 
when you realize that it's really not yours anyways. You're just kind of the manager of what he's already giving you. And the more that you freely hold it and allow it to flow through you, it changes your perspective. It, it's really just comes down to a matter of the heart. You see where the money's going to work here. When you give, you walk through the doors and you can feel, you know, the warm embrace with the volunteers. You go to the west side and see the different ministries. You can see the outreach that they're doing in Pakistan. Y'all stretch the dollar so far. It just, it reaches so many people. Um, I, I think that's, that's really the, the biggest impact. And knowing that I'm help being a part of that and contributing to that, it's a very comforting feeling to know that I'm, I'm leaving a lasting impact on people that I've never met. You give your everything and God gives his everything and the blessing is indescribable. The real work, uh, I think, is not what we do for others, but it's it's the one that comes from within when you're you're getting the opportunity to help people. There's no better place to plug in money to try to get some sort of reasonable return to say, hey, I did something that was everlasting. It's an honor to be a part of what Christ is doing here locally and what he's doing across the world. Truly. Next week is our annual offering, and I'm just going to ask you, you know, to prayerfully, as you go home in a few minutes, just to pray. Just say, God, what do you want us to do? We want to be bold. You know, the world is getting darker, which means we should shine brighter. We should do our jobs and step up and really say, God, I want to, I want to use my resources and use them best, which is always you first. And God, you'll always take care of our family after that. And so I just want to challenge you to consider that, to pray for that. And my wife and I have been making sacrifices the last few months. Uh, we'll be completing our offering this next Sunday, but maybe for you, you're starting or doing it all at once, or maybe you're, you know, we're giving kind of a 20-week run if you say, I can't do it all at once, but I want to take some time to do it. That's fine, too. We just want to say thank you, because that's how we're able to do all that God is leading us to do uh, in Pakistan and Haiti, around the world, frankly, and also here locally. And so God is really doing some great things. So thank you for that. One last thing I want to say real quick uh, to wrap up this message. The third way that we overcome evil is the single best way to overcome evil, avoid it. That is by far the best way to overcome evil. And, and uh, it's the simplest way, and it's also the best way. Let me just give you one example. 1 Corinthians 6 says, run from sexual sin. So I love how it says that, uh, especially it says that to men basically like, dude, you're not strong, just get out of there. I love that. That is the truth. Like you're just, just admit it. You're not strong enough. So just get out of there. Whatever is tempting to you, don't, you know, don't go near it. So if you're tempted by donuts, do not work at Shipley's. I'm just saying that would really help. I'm just... You know, whatever you're tempted by, just get away from it completely. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6. He said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, I never have to be delivered from evil. I'm nowhere near. So, the, so he says, the first thing is avoid it. Then when you can avoid it, God will help deliver you. But, but just again, avoid it as much as you can stay away from it. You know, can you imagine, I mean, the reason why I will never be beat up by Conor McGregor is because I'm never going to get in the octagon with Conor McGregor or John Jones or any of those guys. I'm not dumb, I'm not gonna do that. I know I can't handle it. We have to have the courage to be a coward, admit where you can't handle it and stay away from it. Just avoid it. Maybe for you, if you fall into sexual temptation, avoid those kind of women or those kind of men. Stay away from them. 
If you, uh, you know, find yourself doing dumb things on a Friday night with your friends, change friends group. That's the problem. You're, you're hanging out with the wrong people. Just avoid it. If late night on the internet is a problem for you, then don't stay up late on the internet. Just, just avoid it. Like, I'm just telling you, so much problems will be taken care of in your life if you just stay away from something that is a problem for you, whatever the case may be. But can you imagine if you went into the octagon, got beat up, and then you chose to go back in it again? Why would you do that? But yet we choose to do this again and again and again. So I just want to challenge you, simply avoid it. Get away from them, get away from him, get away from her, get away from that. Whatever it is for you, get out of there. Just avoid it and stay clear. So if I could summarize, busy yourself doing good, right? Don't fall for the lies any longer and avoid evil. If you'll do that, most of the problems you have with evil will go away. Busy yourself doing good. Don't fall for lies. Run away from evil. It's not, it's not complicated. It's not simple. Guys, I, I'm not stronger than you. I just maybe avoid some situations you wouldn't avoid. People that, people that aren't, they're not more holy than you. They just don't go around those places that would mess them up. It's, it's not complicated. And so I just want to encourage you to stay clear of it. And this could be the game-changing move for you. But i got some good news for you. Maybe you came and you're like, oh, you're killing me, Pastor. I feel so bad for the stuff I've done. Let me tell you something. The Bible very clearly says in Lamentations, it says, God's mercies are new every morning. So today God is saying, I give you a fresh slate. Would you take a moment and bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed as we take a moment to pray across all of our campuses. The first prayer is real simple. God, just please forgive me, God, and now renew me. I confess my sin. I keep going and doing the same dumb thing, God. Lord, forgive me. But now, God, what's going to be different today is I'm now going to avoid it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna set some boundaries up and just not go near that. Whatever it is for you, whatever you need to put a boundary, and you may say, Well, I'm gonna feel a little ridiculous doing it. Well, the only thing more ridiculous is just keep falling in the same thing again and again. That's way more ridiculous. So just put up a boundary, just say, I'm just not gonna go hang out with those people, not gonna go to those places, not gonna be at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. I want to be at the right place at the right times with the right people from now on. God, thank you that you forgive me. Thank you that your cross was enough, that I am completely washed clean because of what you did at the cross. Thank you for that, Jesus. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just repented and feel that fresh wave of purity, love, and embrace coming over you, just lift your hand high. Just say, thank you, God, that I have a fresh start today. Thank you, God, that today is a new day. Praise God. He is a forgiving God. He's a God of second chances. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never given your life to Christ, you can do so by praying a very simple prayer. We're going to say this aloud across all of our churches, also those online. Say this with us. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. I commit my life to you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, no one's looking around, would you just lift your hand high? If you just gave your life to Christ, just hold your hand high. Praise God. Their hand's going up all across our churches right now. Just hold your hand high. Thank you. We see your hand. Thank you, Stone Oak. Praise God. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Rodfield. Hold your hand high. Praise God. Thank you, Padre. 
Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Hold that hand high. If you just gave your life to Christ, you can let us know in the text chat. If you're online with us, you can either text, I just raised, you can text hand raised or click my hands raised right now. We'll know that you gave your life to Christ. Father, thank you for what you're doing in your house. Thank you, Lord, that we can overcome evil with good. Thank you, God, that you are the difference maker, Lord. Thank you that just knowing you, walking with you, changes everything. We thank you for your word today. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true. Well, it's offering time at Church Unlimited. It's an honor to give to God. It is. I'm going to invite a good friend of mine to come out here. This is Tenza. Come on out here, Tenza. How you doing? I'm good. Great to have you here. Tenza, I know you've been coming to Church Unlimited for a while now. How'd you find us? Well, the journey to Church Unlimited started about 25 years ago. We've moved a bunch, but we lived in Corpus back then. Yeah. And um, so we were part of a church called Yorktown Baptist. Great and church. Sam Douglas yep. was our pastor. Yeah. And he kind of found out about this young pastor that was doing a church start. I believe that was you. <laughs> and so I think we probably actually met in the office of Yorktown way yeah. back then. But very soon after we moved to Houston, we actually were members of a church there where on the prayer meeting there was a that's old school prayer meeting yeah, thing. Yeah, prayer meeting. There but anyway, on it. the prayer list was Bay Area Fellowship yeah. because your parents were members of That's that exactly church. That's exactly right. So anyway. Small when, world. Yes, small it world. is small. And so, so you ended up back here when? 20, in 2019. 2019. And we okay. came to see what was going on. All right. And we were excited about that. Thankful to be at Church Unlimited. I love it. So you're you're at the Padre Allen campus. We are. Beautiful campus. We love those people at the great campus. And so you also serve in the West Side. I do. Tell us about that. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about the West Side. Well, um, I came to West Side Mission in 2020 when the whole world turned upside down. Yeah. And um, I know I'm not alone in that, right? I was, I was at home, you know, because we were home. So we retired and then we're like just there together all the time. And they yeah. tell you, you can't leave. And I'm watching the news and they're like, all this stuff about how we hate each other and we don't respect each other. And, and I was talking to the TV. And my husband was listening. He was like, oh boy, here she goes. <laughs> and, but nothing would change, right? Yeah, I yeah. was so overwhelmed with what was going on in our world. Yeah. I was overwhelmed with the narrative that we don't care about one another and we hate each other based on irrelevant things. Yeah. And I just thought, that is a lie. You know, you were talking about, that's yeah, a lie. That and that's lie. not God. That's the enemy. And God began moving in my heart that I knew I couldn't change the world, but I knew I had to do something had yeah. to do something. So a friend was over there and I joined her and I'm still there. Now you're a regular. Every time I go over there, you're over there serving. I, and what, it's beautiful too because the West Side, it's, it, since 2020, we have tripled our output of people we're serving. And it, it's crazy how many people come through. Like right. in the last four months, I can't remember the numbers, but it's it's like seven or eight, wait, no, 9,000 people. Over 9,000 individuals have been served through West Side since January. Since January. Right. Three months. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. So we're on we're on we're on pace to probably do quadruple what we used to do. Yes. It's incredible. So the need is there. Right. So what's it like for you to see the other side of our giving, where it's going? What is that like for you? It's just it's huge to see that. And you know, the the number of people coming through has just skyrocketed. Yeah. Um, because one thing, the need is big. Yeah. Right? And and that's across 
all levels. Yeah. I mean, there, there's kind of unprecedented need. But one of the things, the numbers are increasing. One of the most amazing things, though, is that we have had 258 people except Christ at Westside since wow. January. Wow, that's amazing. Praise right? God. And, you I know, I, I was thinking back, I don't know, it's been some time back that you made a statement. You said, I believe this church yes. is supposed to be the kind of church that if God were to remove us from our city tomorrow, it would leave a gaping hole. Yeah. And I believe West Side Mission is one example yeah. of how we are indeed that church. That's so good. I love that. You know, Tinsley, you and your, your husband, not only do you serve, of course, you both serve, but you also tithe regularly and then mm -hmm. you give to the above and beyond offering. What, what drives your giving? Well, I think first, just at the very simplest level, God asks us to. Yeah. And that's really reason enough. Yeah. But then, you know, you were talking about the life change. I mean, like, we yeah. need life change in this world. We need world change. And it's a way, giving through Church Unlimited is a way to invest in life change and world change. It's a way to love our neighbors here in Corpus Christi and beyond, yeah. to the world beyond. And it's such a privilege and such an honor. And why wouldn't we do that? Good. Do you mean, why not? Why you not go. give? You guys give it up for Tenza. I can't say better than that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Incredible. Why not? Let's pray and ask God to bless this offering. Thank you for your generosity. And next week is the official weekend of the annual offering. But by all means, if you feel led, you can certainly start today. But, but just thank you. This is our regular time of offering. Uh, but let's just pray. God, thank you for the privilege we have to give. Lord, as Tenza said, why not? Why would we not want to give? Lord, when we look at the world getting darker and darker, this is a simple way we know we can make a difference, Lord. We know where the resources are going. We know we can trust it. And thank you, God, that we can give big, that we can be generous and make a big difference. God, I pray your blessings over this offering now. Thank you, God, for your word. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. Pastors.